Chris and Andrea Molyneux, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, I want to talk to you guys about the Swatland Revolution and okay. how it came about and what was the purpose and um, you know, obviously only went for a few years, why you stopped it and all that sort of stuff. It's a really interesting story. So, um, yeah, how yeah. Did, how did, what, what was the, whose idea was it and how did it come about? Sheesh. Okay, well, it's kind of the, the genesis was in 2010. We were invited to do a seminar on South African Syrah in California at a festival called the Hospice de Rhone. Um, and we, yeah, Andrew and I were approached by the organizers to put on a seminar. And, and so we spoke to a few winemakers uh, that we thought would be tell an interesting story. And we ended up going over with, uh, with ourselves, uh, Yeben Saadi, Mark Kent, uh, and David Trafford. So to present sort of a, a nice sort of overview of, of Syrah in South Africa. Okay, like a general. nice cross section. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, and we'd, we'd also got a few other ones, so like Stellenzach Syrah 94 and old Fairview Syrah from the 70s. So, mm -hmm. we, yeah, we presented a, a nice seminar on on sort of the, the history and and the present time of, of Syrah in South Africa. And uh, it was at a, it's a festival that was uh, quite popular amongst sort of Rhone lovers in, in America. Uh, and it wasn't just one seminar, it was like a whole weekend thing. So it was various seminars, you'd have like... Um, you know, Stefan Augier or Philippe Gigal or producers from Chateau Neuf out there, uh, also Californian producers. So doing various seminars on, on Rhone-style wines. Uh, but then around it, there were also other things, so big dinners, big tastings and, and all of that. And we'd also at the same time, you know, Andrew and, and I and, and Adi and Eben had all sort of moved to the Swatland. And we'd been making these wines that we thought were quite interesting. And we were trying to find a way of getting people to understand what was happening in the Swatland. Was that a battle, was it, initially? Yeah, it was difficult. Because, you know, I'd, we would go to Johannesburg or, or Durban. You know, so it was a battle more in South Africa than outside yeah, South yeah, Africa. Yeah, okay. Exactly, yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. Yeah, that, that was what we struggled with. So, so okay. we would go and, and say, Hi, I'm, I'm Chris or Andrea or yeah. whoever from, from the Swatland. And people said, you're not Andrea, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but they, they were like, no, we don't want Swatland wines because they thought Swatland was a winery, not a region. Oh, I see. You know? yeah, yeah, so yeah. There was a, we realized there was a huge mind shift that we had to get in, in consumers. So, so, and, the, and the best way we knew was to get people to come to the Swatland. Yeah, okay. To see how special the place was, to taste the wines and meet the people making the wine. Okay. And so internationally, you didn't have that sort of roadblock? People were no, sort of more, was, they didn't have a preconceived easier. idea of what yeah, it was. Yeah, it was so, much okay. easier. Yeah, because people, obviously in South Africa at that time, Stellenbosch was the region, but outside of South Africa, it wasn't such a big mm. preconception that, you know, premium wine had to come from Stellenbosch. And you've been making wine um, from Swatland since when? when well, we started our winery in 2007, yeah. but we'd already been working since 2004 at our, at our previous job at, at TMV, TMV, which yeah. is now Fable, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and so in the area for, you know, a good yeah, seven so years. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so we'd, we'd kind of been thinking about how do we get people down here and how do we show them a good time and uh, and we'd done mm. a, a small thing in in 2009 okay. where we'd invited it was mostly the trade from cape town to Ribiak. okay and we, and we did a small like tasting at, at a restaurant called baba black sheep mm -hmm. which which worked really well um but we we'd kind of thought we need to do something more and uh so we went to this this festival in california and uh yeah it, it was a great experience and the morning, at the, on the Sunday after the festival, uh, we were sitting there at breakfast in this typical diner. 
and Mark Kent, because they had just purchased Porcelainburg. Yeah. Uh, Mark Kent from Buchanutzburg. Um, yeah. Yeah. He said to us, yeah, we, we should do this kind of festival mm -hmm. in the Swatland. Yeah, right. And, and we were, and Eben and Andrew and I were like, yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah. yeah. Thinking what, uh, that's just, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow you'll think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool <laughs> tomorrow we'll have a, a different yeah, idea. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and then we all went our separate ways. And then about a month later, Mark called us uh, up and he said, listen, I've, I've, we've got to get together and chat about doing a festival. Mm. So once again, we we're like, okay, cool, let's get together. And, and we had a meeting at the Royal Hotel and Mark literally. So when was this? Was this late 2010? Or no, this was, was in about May. Okay. May or so, yeah. And Mark literally came to this meeting with like the festival planned. It was like, it's going to be a two-day <laughs> festival. We're going to do it here. This is going to be the name. Like everything yeah. was like. It's so easier to um, beg, beg for forgiveness than ask for yeah. permission. You know? <laughs> this, is the, this, this is the speaker I have lined yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd already organized like Stefan Ogier was going to oh, come. Really? Okay. Yeah, it was all. And he showed us like the poster. It was all like in a month. The whole theme of it yeah, and it the whole amazing. sort of the. And, and we were, it was, you know, it was Adi, Yibin, ourselves, and Kali and Mark sitting there. Mm. And we were like, yeah, this cool, cool. looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, so he, did he have the, almost the whole thing formed like, Yeah, already? the concept. Obviously, we The whole revolution type of vibe and all that yeah, stuff. The yeah, the festival. Yeah, the festival. Yeah. So, um, and it, it just, yeah, made so much sense. Mm. So, obviously, there was a lot of planning that still had to go in and, yeah. uh, and yeah. the execution, but. It was basically that that sort of it was a quick month long planning session push, that we had, and yeah. then we we were going to do it. Uh, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. But the main point was that there was nothing like that at that point in South Africa when it yeah. came to, you know, it wasn't just about um, having a festival where you buy tickets for different events and um, you know you can go to that tasting, you can go to this meal, you need dinner tickets or whatever. The Hospice de Rhone and, and the um, Swartland Revolution, it was more like a, a symposium, so it was much more social in that everyone did everything together. So yeah. everyone went to the tastings together. Everyone went to the meals together. So it became so much more of a, a learning experience where you could discuss what you were experiencing with other people yes. or you could pop open an extra bottle of wine and just have a good time while you were learning yeah. too. And, and I think that's what made it different is that it wasn't, just a festival. Have a quick wedge in between seminars. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's, I think that's an important um, point to make that it's uh, one ticket and everyone does everything. Yeah. So it is a sort of and, a, yeah, a group and mentality. And yeah, and also, I think the nice thing that we noticed at the Hospice de Rowan was it's mm. all in one place. So you literally, you don't, you're, not, you're not driving around from yep. one place to another to another. It was everything at the Hospice de Rowan was in walking distance. Mm -hmm. Literally, you would walk from your hotel to the venue. That was it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, that we also thought was very important. And that's why Rebia Castile was such a great venue because there's tons of accommodation, there's great venues, great restaurants. So it was a, the perfect place to have a festival like that because mm -hmm. everything was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. So that worked really well. And so the original idea of it was to sort of um, uh, advance the awareness of what was happening in the Swatland at, yeah. at that in time. Yeah, in South Africa, actually. In South so, Africa, So we, yeah. we, our idea was that we wanted to get local people, like people from Joburg, from Durban, mm -hmm. from PE, from Cape Town to come to Rebeck and see how beautiful the place was, uh, experience the wines there and, and meet us and, and just have a great time. So yeah. it w we weren't really thinking international at all. It mm. was about trying to lift the awareness of, of okay. the Swatland in South Africa. So, so for those who never went to one, yeah. sort of briefly explain how that first one went because I wasn't in the country mm. then. Um, so this is in 2011, the first one? Well, the first one was the same year. 2010. Was it 2010? Yeah, okay. literally we, we came back from Hostess Rhone. Okay. A month later, Mark Kent called us up and then 
Four months later, we had the first festival. So you had that meeting in May and then in, and then in, in November. November, yeah, the yeah. First, yeah. So, and yeah, I mean, so so the, the idea was it, it was a week weekend festival. So people would arrive Friday evening after work. There would be sort of a an opening seminar. So so to, the idea was always to mix having a great a great fun experience, mm -hmm. a, a huge party, but with a s sort of a serious end edge to it. It's like like a with, con with quality content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great wines, great speakers, uh, and benchmarks for us as a Swatland that we could learn from. So you know, okay. so, so while we were the organizers, we were there learning from the, from whoever was coming to yes. talk and exp and and, uh, and present their wines. So you were hopefully bringing in people sort of with relevant. Um, wine experience to utilize and or you know not, yeah. or not utilize as the case may be um in the Swatland in terms of exactly. maybe yeah. more war warm climate yeah varieties yeah, yeah. typical or varieties that were suited to our area uh, winemaking experiences that that mm -hmm. would relate to that so yeah we i mean to bring someone from uh, the mosel or something yeah it was probably, not really yeah. yeah although eventually we started you know one pouring one or two rieslings but yeah. it was more than about the philosophy philosophy of winemaking rather than yeah. yeah but in the beginning it was heavily focused on the rhone valley for okay. sure yeah yeah and so it was it was we would always have um was it three seminars the first yeah. year was just two two okay yeah uh so on the friday night a seminar yeah. and then the saturday morning a seminar and was the friday night always the um the, the, yeah, that the, was the big, the headliner. The big star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 2010, who was that? That was Stefan Ogier. That was Stefan yeah. Ogier. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, so the idea was to to really, you know, make a great impression and uh, and just set the tone that this mm -hmm. is a serious event. Okay. And then afterwards, have a party. Yeah. And so, and how many people came to the first event? I mean, so it was about a. Hundred and sixty, I think. Okay. Hundred and seventy, hundred and sixty. Yeah. And did you just sort of publicize that through what Facebook yeah, through, and things, yeah, and, and just through your distributors was, and things? Yeah, I don't even think I was at Facebook then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, through our mailing list, Back customers. In the good old days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in the first year, you know, people in Cape Town didn't even know where the Swartland was. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so we, it wasn't just about getting people to drink the wines in the location because. You can always learn about wine so much better when you're drinking them when they're made, yeah. where they're made. Yeah. Uh, but it was about to get people to realize, hey, that there's other wine regions right on their doorstep. So we literally had people thinking that the Swartland was hours and hours away from Cape Town. Oh, right. Like it was up near Springbok somewhere, yeah, like Karoo hours somewhere. up away. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then yeah. they realized, I can see Table Mountain from the Swartland. This mm. is, how is this possible? It's a 15 minute drive, not exactly. a, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Drive, yeah. So, so it really started to bring a lot of people to the region and, mm. and um, you know. Yeah. And other producers as well, you know. So mm. I think a lot of the young guns came to the first festivals and, mm -hmm. and saw how exciting it was. And, and obviously some of them had already been working as assistants to some people. But yes. It, it definitely drew a lot of producers also to the area. Yeah, yeah. right. So, well, not just for the revolution, but to actually to come and make wine. To come and make yeah, wine. Either, yeah, either either to come and settle there and make wine, or to come and buy grapes mm -hmm. in the region and take them to other areas. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's well, yeah. Take us back to you know to 2010, yeah. and in terms of what was happening in the Swatland at, at that point, in terms of who was here, who was there, and making wine, and who was. Yeah, I mean, so obviously, obviously, you were there. Gibbon yeah, was there. Yeah, Kali, Kali was Kali just started. To Porcelainburg, I think in 2009, about so. Um, so where was he? He was, he was TMV after you guys. Is yeah, that right? so he yeah. was. Oh, I mean, 
Kali and I go back to varsity days where okay. we both worked for Audi at Rustenburg. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And then he, Kali worked with Andrea in Woman California yeah. uh, for <laughs> okay. Vintage. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then he went to Fondeling. He was the first oh, winemaker at Fondeling. I didn't know that. Okay. And then I was at TMV and then Andrea came to work with me. Okay. And then we left TMV in 07 to start our winery and then Kali replaced us. Okay. And then he then moved a few years later to to the Swatland to start. Yeah, because I got married in, in Tulbach in 07. So that's where I first met okay. Kali when yeah. we were doing so. Oh, just cool. like I was just yeah 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 okay yeah. but Kelly has the, like the longest link between all of us yeah because I met him in 2002 in California yeah, yeah. okay yeah. Wow. and so Eben was here as well and yeah, so Adi was already um, yeah there as Eben, well. Eben was obviously the first he moved into mm -hmm. Spice Street so 98 about yeah and then uh, then we we moved in 2007 I think Adi 2008 mm -hmm. and then Kali 2009 so that okay. was that and obviously, then Lammersuk was doing interesting things. Uh, Albert uh, Arons was there. He yes. was doing interesting things. Um, and then, basically, after the First World Revolution, it really started. You know, Donovan Rawl, David, Sa or David Sardi was buying grapes then while he was working in Tilbach. At Limburg, yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, after 2010, it really, there was a big explosion. It yeah, went from, okay. I think, when we first moved there, there were about 10 wineries in total, yes. including the co-ops. Yeah. And with, you know, by... 2013, there were probably 40 wineries. Yeah. So there was a well, huge. producers, yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Labels, yeah. Uh, so there was a huge explosion basically after 2010, mm. those next three years. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah. And so Stefan Auger was the Friday night of the first one. Yes. Um, and then there and was then, like, just a massive party afterwards. Is that yeah, what, yeah. So we, yeah, the, the idea was always to, to really over the, because the tickets weren't cheap. Mm. I mean, it was, I think, nearly 2,000 Rand in those days. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that. You, as Andrew said, all in, so you, you yes. got all your food and everything included. Yeah, yeah. But we wanted to make a really, we wanted to make people walk away feeling they'd spent a lot of money, but they, it wasn't expensive. It's still value, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we, the first two years, Ruben Rifle was the, the chef. Yeah. So he came out and, uh, and catered a, a fantastic huge barbecue. Yeah, um, a dude can cook. Yeah, no, yeah. he's great. Yeah, on a big <laughs> scale as yeah. well. Um, and then everyone, you know, partied late into the night. We were, there was a bar in town, which is now Mama Cucina. Mm -hmm. And everyone ended up, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Some yeah, people yeah. didn't go to bed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some were better, better behaved than others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people slept in cars in the vineyard. And it was, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and that was what Andrew was saying. A lot of people, you know, that brought wine with them. So yes. it was, you know, us, we were sharing a lot of our wines and the international wines. But people, it was a great spirit of sharing. Mm -hmm. So people would bring in their boots, like all kinds of other wines, and open them up late at night. So. And what did um, Stefan Auger, uh, what was the sort of the takeaway from that? What did people, it was that a lot of people's um, first sort of look at a, a sort of a horizontal from one producer? I'm assuming yeah. he bought um, yeah, yeah, own he, wines. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, it was, I think, a single vintage, and he, he poured everything. So from Condrieu through to, to his top end, Balelen, like everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it was, I think it just set the tone in terms of, what what the Swatland was trying to achieve in terms, well, we were trying to achieve in terms of our wines. You know? yeah. So, so it was kind of presenting to the world, well, the people who were there, this is what the Swatland can do and should be focusing on. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. So this, this is this is what we're aiming at, you know, yeah. to compete with or yeah. to yeah. In terms and of he quality. was a great choice because he's he's I mean obviously a very very serious producer, but mm. he's he's not too serious himself, you know. Yeah, I see. He, yeah, yeah. He's a really approachable, fun person. Mm. Um, so I think. It was a nice mix of, it was someone who's very relevant for the Swatland in terms of serious wine, but not taking themselves too seriously. Uh, I, th I think that's a really interesting point because I think that's one thing that sets the Swatland apart uh, in a South African context is yeah. that there's no compromises 
um, well, very few compromises in, 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 in the big scheme of things about the quality of the wine yeah. or the aspiration for the, what the wine should be. Yeah. But once you know the actual wine is out of the in, in the bottle, then you can actually have yeah, some fun and relax exactly. and yeah, and sure. not think you're um, saving the world. Yeah, for sure. You know, they can yeah. actually. Yeah, 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 we take the process seriously, but mm. maybe not ourselves too seriously. Yeah, so, well, yeah. I think that, that was yeah. a, a really refreshing yeah, exactly. take at the time, from from what I can gather. Mm. You know, and then yeah, we, and then you can have fun with with the people who are there, and uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then the Saturday of the first event, what so was that, that was a, s a seminar of Ardi and Eben's wines. Okay. Um, so Ardi was he, when did he come on board? Was he at the uh, was he at the Royal Hotel in yeah Maine? yeah he was there. So, okay, right, yeah, yeah. So by 2010, he'd already moved there. Yeah, um, I think. He'd already, I think his first vintage of, of wine was 2007. Okay. So while he was still at Rustenburg, uh, he some had made some wine. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to get him in trouble. Uh, <laughs> but no. Yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, so he moved in 09, but he'd already. He'll just say, I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fuzzy days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. So yeah, seminar so with Artie? He, yeah, the, so the first seminar, the local seminar, was was Eben and Ardi's wines, okay. and moderated by Tim James. And he, I mean, he's a fantastic moderator. He's, yeah, yeah he obviously knows the area very, very well. He knows the people very, very well. Long-time supporter. Yeah, and he prepares very well for seminars. You know, so yeah. he's, yeah, he was a brilliant moderator. Cool. Uh, and so, what, what, what was the purpose of what was the sort of the the main purpose of that? Is it just sort of to get to know Eben and Ardi and put a personality behind the wines? Exactly. Is that yeah. the idea? Yeah, so or? to present yeah. not just their wines, but who they are, where they've come from, what they're trying to achieve. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. people may have seen the wines on the shelves, but they may never have had a face to put to yeah. the wine or yeah. heard them speak about it personally, just yeah. to, to make that link between what people were drinking and why they were drinking it and what they were enjoying about it. Yeah. Mm. And that first year, was it mostly industry people who came or was it a, a, a mix? A mix, yeah, I would say it, it almost was always a mix of, of private consumers, mm. uh, trade and other wine producers. So yeah. almost, I wouldn't say a third, a third, a third, but it was probably quite close to that every year. Yeah. So it was always a nice mix of, of the three. Yeah, yeah. cool. So and, that, and you were happy with that? You weren't sort of wishing there was more public or wishing there was more fellow producers there to sort of get a bit I, more camaraderie or? Well, I think that the ripple effect that was created from it was the mm. fact that other producers came and got new mm. ideas and decided to go independent themselves. So mm. for us, that was almost like a, you know, you feel like a role model in that way. So you would never want to poo-poo that. And yeah. then when it came to private clients, I mean, you always want private clients, of course. Yeah. And for trade, you know, people were coming because they wanted to know more about it. They wanted to yeah. drink wine in the place that it was made. Mm. So I think that to have that kind of mix is, is fantastic. And yeah. people were coming internationally as well, um, which for us was incredibly flattering mm. um, that, you know, we, as you mentioned earlier, it was easier to promote our wine overseas than it was locally. Mm. And in fact, the tickets on the first year, we sold out the last ticket at the door. Okay. So, so what evolved from that eventually was selling out in half an hour mm. uh, for 500 seats. But mm. in the first year, the 150 tickets, you know, because people didn't know about it, mm. um, we did sell the last ticket on the day at the door. Yeah, right. So no, very cool. It was amazing to see how it evolved from there. Yeah. And then, so there was a, the local seminar on the Saturday of the first event. Yeah, and, and then, then and then we had a little lunch. Yeah, then we had a um, a lunch again. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that was also no. Who who catered for that? I can't actually remember. Uh, was it not Baba? Yeah, yeah, no, like that was, was at Baba Black Sheep. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, Baba Black Sheep was an amazing restaurant 
that had just opened in Riebeck opposite the Royal Hotel. Okay. And uh, they they were just doing amazingly authentic, like almost like Wolfgat's doing now on the yeah, West Coast. Right. Yeah. They were kind of doing that in Ruby Castile, so doing mm-hmm. not seafood, but skill yeah, like, and like authentic Swatland food, which yeah. was amazing. But with 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 proper technique and yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that was fantastic. And then we had a a street tasting afterwards, so like an open okay. tasting where, at that time, it was basically anybody who was making a Swatland wine of origin could come and pour. Okay. So we had literally had producers from Stellenbosch who came and, and poured their wines. Mm-hmm. As long as you were pouring a Swatland wine, yeah. you could pour your wine at that street okay. festival. Anything yeah. that was WO Swatland. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, and oh, that cool. was yeah, in Short Street, so just opposite the Royal Hotel yeah. again. Yeah. Okay. And then it's, I mean, a lot of people then carried on into the night <laughs> having another party. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took matters into their own yeah. hands. <laughs> yeah. So, but that, that was essentially the, the format of the first one. Okay. Uh, and then was the second one. Um, did you sort of have a, a, um, a you know sit down after the first one and said, "Well, that yeah. works really well." Let's yeah. let's sort of. Yeah, I don't think we'd we'd actually planned to do it on a yearly basis okay. in the beginning, but just based on the how successful it was, the energy mm. and the how happy people were, we had a debriefing like a, a meeting about a week later, and we were like, "Let's do another one." You know, that was just awesome. Mm. Um, so it just just out of the success of the first one, we were like, "Let's definitely let's take it." further uh, yeah right uh, yeah so and then obviously and, and it started planning literally from then so it's, okay. then it became like a 12 month project You're right okay yeah and yeah. so um and was the second one more like the last one did it change rapidly from the first to the second yeah it or grew it very quickly so okay. i mean then we we took it up a notch yeah so it, it's it became i think the second year was 400 tickets that okay. we sold and as andrew said i mean literally we released the tickets in about May of 2011, yep. and literally within an hour they were gone. Okay, it was like, cool. So they were, they, they'd obviously word of mouth got out. People said that you know and had a fantastic time. Also a little bit on media, social media that the people who were there and people who thought they might go to the first one who didn't. Yeah, yeah. Obviously maybe on the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, then, and then that tipped them over. Yeah. yeah. So and and that was really good because we, you know, then we. We, we knew we could do something solid. We had all the money in the bank and we mm-hmm. could really, yeah, really go and, and do a, a, a really organized, fantastic festival. Yeah. And so what was the second one? How did that change? I mean, how, how, so how, was, how was it better organized in terms of? So obviously it, it was, we then, well, the nice thing was the, the Royal Hotel was a fantastic venue. We, we, it has that sort of, it's almost like a wedding amphitheater at the mm-hmm. back. And uh, when you go and look at it, it doesn't look... Yeah, it's look almost like a Greek or a Roman theatre, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, like a nice sort of... Yeah, and it's on a slope. And, yeah. and the setting is beautiful with the mountain mm-hmm. behind it. So, but when you look at it from... from at the afar, end of winter, it's beautiful. At, yeah. the, <laughs> at the end of summer, not so much. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we, when you look at it, it doesn't look that big. You know, you, you think, oh, maybe you can fit 50 or 100 people there. Yeah. But we quite easily fit 400 people mm. in, into that area. Um, so initially, the first year, there were only 150, 160. And we then um, yeah, looked at could we grow it? Yeah. And we, you know, doing the planning, we saw, no, we can actually fit 400 people here. So the, the main thing was the size we, where, where we, we had to grow in terms of the, the numbers. Yes. And the funny thing is, I think a lot of people don't realize is every Swatland Revolution, we lost money. Mm. It, it wasn't a, a money-making project. And we thought there's, no, the there's, no, there's no laws against bad business, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but we thought you know the first year we, we each had to chip in some money at yeah. the four organising wineries, and mm. we thought okay if we grow it, you know economies of scale will will at least I'll break even. I'll have to recoup yeah, sort of like yeah. a portion of what we yeah. 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 Or, or it, just the idea was just to break even, yeah. but 
it didn't actually work because it, all the expenses were variable. You know, it's food, it's wine, it's, mm. it's ch chairs, tables. So by yeah. growing it, you don't, you don't actually become more cost efficient. Yeah, it's interesting the way. I mean, uh, it's interesting how you um, uh, how you measure that. Because yeah. if you were doing your wine release the day after, yeah, I yeah. think that might cover costs. Oh, no, you for know, sure. Yeah, no, so. no, the increase in sales, of course, yeah, the, yeah that, that more than covered uh, yeah. Yeah, for it. But for the actual know. event, but just the yeah. ticket price didn't yeah. cover what, what you actually got exactly. in terms of, yeah, yeah. so you over-delivered in that. Yeah. yeah. But also at times, I mean, festivals or, or you know, wine events weren't going for that much, you know, so we, yeah, true. So we purposely tried to keep it as close as possible to what people would expect to pay yep. for a weekend, yep. you know, where, where um, and that was already probably double <laughs> what people would normally pay for a weekend um, yeah. without realizing, you know, the, the level that we were taking it to, the attention to detail behind the scenes. So like we said, we always wanted people to come out feeling like, wow. Yeah, no, I think that was, mm. yeah, I think people have, uh, Taking that on board with other with events, other yeah. events on yeah. going forward. Yeah. So, 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 so we yeah. added on a um, you know so to, to take up a level we added on another seminar and then this time we brought in a journalist. It was Jamie Good the first yeah. year and the idea behind that was they were to bring wines and present wines to us that were where they could see the link with what was happening in the Swartland or the style of wine, mm -hmm. um, you know, just the ethos. Um, so they could present anything they wanted that was supposed to inspire us or link us so with globally relevant to what yeah, was happening something there. we could learn from. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it didn't okay. have to be just Rhone style wines also okay. or Mediterranean style wines. It, you know, like more natural production or, mm -hmm. or anything like that. So, yeah, so, so that, yeah, then Andres, as Andres said, it became more seminars and it was mm -hmm. always the opening seminar was always a, pro a producer. Mm -hmm. So the second year was Club. Uh, okay, yeah. And Olivier came out. He presented a fantastic um, seminar. And then the next morning... Everyone, everyone got the Club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the, ne the, <laughs> the next morning was again... Uh, oh, that, that was then Jamie Good's seminar. And then after that, we did a, a Swatland seminar again. Okay. So, yeah, okay, so cool. And a local seminar. So that, yeah. And that was... Pretty much the that became kind of the format. The, the format going yeah, forward, and yeah. so so the, um, the the tickets were limited to how many people you could sit in that amphitheater. Yeah, that yeah, was exactly. sort of how you worked that out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I think the getting and the international people out was was a really good idea. In hindsight, a really good idea because mm. then Jamie Good, obviously, who has a great social media following, started posting and talking about coming there. What and, what and wines did he bring in 2011? That, you know, because yeah. that's that's, uh, that's, a, that's eight years ago now. Yeah. I and actually, a lot's changed in eight years. Yeah, I'd actually, we, we should go back. I've got all the tasting sheets, so we mm. get to actually go and look and yeah. see what, what he was pouring. Um, okay. Yeah. And and the local seminar, obviously, you can't, you weren't going to do the same thing every year. How did you sort yeah, of organise so, that through the, through the years? So it kind of evolved. So we, the, the second year was a Mullineux seminar. So basically, okay. just Tim Tim sat there with Andrew and myself, mm -hmm. and we. It was actually good, great timing for us because we were just about to release our single terroir wine. So with the okay. very first vintage of granite and schist and iron yeah um so we had them bottled but we hadn't really released them yet. okay so that's a little uh, bit of a sneak peek yeah people. it was okay. it was we showed them to you know in, in the mm -hmm. seminar for the very first time and, awesome. and it was yeah really obviously very very well received um mm -hmm. so but but that the swatland seminar did evolve every year so yeah. we then in future obviously the next one was porcelainberg so cully was involved 
And then we started getting some of the young guns in. So Craig Hawkins mm. came and so, talked uh, with. So you just waited three years before putting Cully on the stage? Yeah. He didn't and have then, a wine to release And yet. then, um, <laughs> no, but that didn't matter. <laughs> no one comes to the wine. <laughs> but I mean, by the end of it, Cully was like a little cult hero and people yeah. wanted yeah. him on the yeah. stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a, yeah. a strong stage presence. Yeah, he's got a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, Cully will be the first to tell you he's very shy on, mm. in front of a crowd. Mm. So he comes, I think he prepares himself mentally with with stories and jokes, uh, yeah. And prepares yeah. himself with a little, maybe a little bit of brandy. Yeah, and some people absolutely <laughs> love courage. it. Others are kind of, not, they don't, maybe they don't know him, so they yeah. yeah. It can be a bit caustic if you don't yeah. understand it, the yeah. person. No, okay. I love it. I was always like the straight edge one up on stage and everyone would be having these great jokes and I was like, maybe taking it too seriously sometimes. Okay. But that's me, that's my personality. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. yeah you can't pretend to be someone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the other addition to the the second one is that's when we launched um, the Swartland Independent. Which, yeah, okay. Which started actually halfway through mm. the year. Mm. Yeah. I, I think there's still a lot of confusion between mm. the Swartland Revolution and the Swartland yeah. Independent that yeah. the, you know the terms get for used sure. um, for yeah. both. So the, the Swartland yeah, I mean, Independent, I, I, for just for, for those who don't know what it is, so the Swartland Revolution was a, a wine festival, event. Festival, yeah, a yeah. two-day wine festival organized yeah, by that, four producers. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. On the yeah. you know, first weekend in November for five or six years? For six years. For six yeah. years. Okay. Yeah, and, and, the and the Swatland Independent is. Swatland Independent was kind of born out of that. So, I mean, the, the whole story we've been talking about where when we first moved there, there were, you know, nine, ten wineries. Um, and that, that, that was basically by 2011, 2012 exploding. Mm. And we, we as, as, the, as the kind of people who, who were already there, kind of realized that there was an opportunity because the Swatland didn't have. Uh, a strong way of doing things you know it, it, there were things that were definitely suited to winemaking in the Swatland so specific varieties farming methods and winemaking methods um, and because there were all these people moving in we realized that if we got together with everybody and shared ideas on winemaking that was suited to the area we could build a strong identity for the region so mm. you know instead of some people moving in and trying to focus on Riesling or Cabernet or something if, if we all work together and say, no, don't, don't waste your time with that. Focus on these varieties uh, because they're what's, what's actually suited here based on our experience. Mm. By doing that and, and working together, we could really build a strong identity for the Swatland. So if, mm. if you're a consumer anywhere in the world and you, you bought a Swat, bottle of Swatland wine that you liked today, you could buy a different producer that you've never heard of and have a similar experience. Not exactly the same, but mm -hmm. so the, the region... It's not going to be like a complete... Yeah, left chain, field. yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, you don't have someone focusing on Syrah, and then his neighbour focusing on Cabernet, and uh, yeah. So, so I think that that that's really what the Swatland Independent was about: is trying to almost like a think tank of producers to work together mm -hmm. to to share experiences. So it's it's more of a producer-driven organisation rather than a marketing thing. And, yeah. And I think that's maybe where the confusion comes in: is is mm. yeah, the SIP as we call it, Swatland yeah. Independent. The, at the heart of it is a producer thing. Yeah. Uh, and you had some rules about um, yeah. production? Yeah, so in the beginning it was quite dogmatic. So mm. we, we actually wrote, sat, sat and wrote down like a charter of rules about mm -hmm. how, how you must make your wine. Manifesto, uh, if you must. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Two-tone shirts only. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> White bucky yeah, yeah, yeah. or <laughs> uh, and, and those, I think, 
it was good to write that down because mm. it, it really sort of crystallized our thoughts. And in the beginning, we were quite strict. So we actually certified people's wines. So, yes. so if you wanted to have a wine that was SIP certified, mm. it had to meet these all these requirements. There was an interesting set of rules because one of the rules was um, it has to be in a burgundy-shaped bottle, yeah. which I yeah. thought was really um, strange. Well, it, it was more of a, that was almost more of a philosophical approach because yeah. at that time, Bordeaux was kind of perceived as, as being technical wines, uh, industrial style wines, um, whereas Burgundy and, and the Rhone were considered more sort of more terroir driven. And I think right. that's what we wanted to send the message that, that yeah. it was yeah, a terroir driven. It does seem a very strange rule. Yeah. The, the, techni <laughs> like the technical term was... You have to package it in a... Yeah. Technical term was base weight bottles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that came from you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it also, you know, visually, you know, when you are in most parts of Europe, the mm. bottle shapes do tend to be in line with each other per mm. region. Obviously, yeah. there's exceptions, yeah. like in Barolo, but yeah. but when you're in, in the Rhone, it's all base weight bottles. When yeah. you're in, in Bordeaux, it's all claret bottles. Um, so yeah. it was the idea of having just another thread. But that was, that was a local heritage of the local gla uh, uh, glass blowers, though. So mm -hmm. that wasn't yes. sort of like, a, yeah. that wasn't a selection they made. That was yeah. just the only bottle that was available for, for, for the however long. I think there's, there's actually one more reason why we did that is yeah. we actually, longer term, were looking to have a Swatland bottle. I see, right. And it was like if Like a Chardonnay bottle with the... Yeah, yeah like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we, so the idea was that if, if everyone already had a bottle of a certain shape, their packaging would work on the eventual it was Swatland less of bottle. a jump. Yeah. So, but that obviously didn't materialize. We looked yeah. at doing it and it just didn't work out. So you say, you say that when you sort of introduced the rules now, you said that we were quite dogmatic yeah. at the start. Yeah. Um, has that changed, obviously? Or yeah, from what that, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so you used to have to, I mean, we were quite strict, you know, obviously things like not adding yeast, uh, not acidifying, uh, were, were fundamental rules. Like you, so you, certain you, varieties were allowed, certain varieties weren't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. New oak was a there was a restricted yeah, like on the new oak. Yeah. new oak, yeah, and we would and less. we would check, um, you know. So we would. Yeah, who was the police? Well, that was the, the committee was the police. Okay, uh, and so and this, this one's too good. It can't be a sip wine. So <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so we would literally take samples. So, so okay. the idea was that during harvest, um, I think in the beginning it was Cully's wife Marie mm. would go to randomly choose one or two wineries during harvest, go and take samples of the juice. So you could check what the acidity was and okay. pH, uh, and then and then when you submitted a wine, we would analyze the wine again. Yeah. And you know, if you if your TA when you picked the, the grapes was five, and suddenly in the bottle it was six and a half, we knew that that something had been manipulated. Uh, yeah. Okay. But you know, it it then be, ended up ended up becoming like the police, mm. and that lost that whole spirit that we were aiming for of of sharing, of camaraderie, of positivity. So after about four years, we, we stopped certifying specific wines. It was wines. Like, almost like beyond the iron curtain, you had to like dob in your, like tell on your neighbor. Yeah. Oh no, I think they're, they're using yes. acid. They can't, you know. No, exactly. Yeah, that, that's literally yeah. what yeah, yeah. it was like. And, and I think that we started, then you started chasing up people mm. for their samples. And, and, we, and so we, we changed that after about four years to, you, you sign to become a member and mm -hmm. you, sign, you say you're gonna adhere to the rules. Yeah. And as long as your wine uh, qualifies for the right varieties, you can certify it as a sip wine. So yeah. that's so. So the, those guidelines are still in place, but we're not as absolutely. They're just guidelines rather than rules, yeah. rather. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and those guidelines. I mean, apart from the the varieties permitted, that was the from my memory that was the only sort of viticultural 
um, yeah, guideline yeah, I mean, yeah, put in place. Yeah, I mean, there was no, was like there was nothing about using Roundup or irrigation yeah, was, or anything like that. It was try and dry farm, try and farm more naturally, but it wasn't was that, like that was that was implied. That wasn't actually a part of the rules, though, wasn't it? It was. It was at the. It was one of the guidelines at the end. So at the bottom. Yeah, okay, but it right. wasn't like you have to. Follow yeah. Them, so actually. it wasn't like you know only twenty five percent of new wood is permitted. Yeah, and yeah. So okay. But it was like you should try and limit the amount of sulfur you use. You should try and mm. farm more naturally in the vineyards. Yeah. Use compost, not fertilizers. So, yeah. So they, those were kind of guidelines. Philosophies. Yeah. 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 Sort of general yeah. Um, yeah. directions. Yeah. But why were they not included in the actual? rules in the, in the first place was it too big of a jump yeah for i think people? it would have been too much yeah uh, and and also a lot of the swat and the young guns and we were the same at the time didn't actually own all our vineyards yes so it's quite difficult at that time to to go extreme organic with with mm -hmm. some of the people you're buying fruit from so yeah i think we were just trying to be realistic uh, and actually have some people certify wine because yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I understand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, um, a lot of associations make rules to suit themselves, I and mean, yeah. that's how associations yeah. that's how you build because exactly. you, you've all got that in common. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that's not that um, yeah. um, common. Also, as we learn as we go along, you know, the first year you try something new, it's it always works the first time. Mo yeah. You know, mostly you can you're like I'm going to go dry land farming this year, yeah. but it's the years and years and years of of build up of root development and whatnot that allowed you to do it for the first year. Yeah, but now add on three or five years of drought and you have to change your practices. Yeah. So it's, it's easy to be very idealist in your first year of trying something. And even with... Um, How do you measure success in the first year if, you, if you've, only, you've only tried it once? I mean, it's always a success because yeah. you've had no failure. Well, <laughs> like it, it's never been worse. Well, and as humans, we're optimistic. So yeah. you, you get really excited and you're like, this works. Why doesn't everybody do it? Yeah. And then, you know, you, but you need to burn your fingers mm. and um, to, to be able to learn. So if it works that way... You know, if those idealistic rules work for people their entire winemaking career, that's absolutely fabulous. Mm. But I think most winemakers do have years where, you know, they had a microbe in the wine they weren't planning for, or they had a vineyard that all of a sudden is, it is going to die if you don't intervene somehow. Mm. Um, so I think it's important to see where those limits are, but not have a wine spoil and not have a vineyard die. Yeah. Um, the But to push to become more, um, to let the wine speak more of where it's from, you do have to push some of those limits as well. Yeah, but uh, uh, I mean, absolutely. But even the, the let the wine speak for where it's from is a subjective thing. Mm. Yeah, you know, what sure. you think that vineyard yeah, should, should be saying or should be delivering is yeah. different to, maybe slightly different to what Chris, I mean, not, obviously not vastly different, yeah. but might be just slightly different than yeah. I'm, and then, Another another producer might be in a different space as well. Definitely. So yeah, it's a really interesting. I mean, that's where, yeah, where art comes in, isn't line? it? You know, that's yeah. where the, yeah, where, where the where individualness do you comes in. Where do you not intervene? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But I think that's only that's a relatively recent um, uh, thought in mm. in yeah. quality South African wine. Sure. Whereas yeah. it seems to me that every there used to be a, a much more uniform opinion on yeah. on what a vineyard should look like, what yeah. it should be, um, at what. Um, bricks, um, your belling you should be, yeah. and then what acid you should no, be no, no, um, I think so, so adjusting to. In the beginning, that was, yeah, it was almost black and white. So you're either yeah. like conventional or, yeah. according to the SIP rules, completely natural. And and as Andrew said, it maybe worked for a year or two for, for some producers, mm. but you, you then start having issues that come up in your winery if mm. you're almost adding no sulfur and not filtering. The, the Swatland does tend to have higher pHs, so so you you might have a few vintages where you're not necessarily lucky, but 
the, the pressure is not there. Mm. And then after a few years, it starts to, to show in the wines. And I think yeah. that, that was one of the reasons why we also became slightly less dogmatic because if, if you're following these supernatural rules and your wine arrives in London or New York or mm. wherever and, and it's, it's cloudy and there's jellyfish growing in them, Mm. That that for me is not a sense of place anymore. That mm. it's gone a bit past that. Yeah. So so we we then as a committee said to the producers, look, if you need to filter your wine, filter it. You know, don't don't. don't if you think it's a better wine after filtering than before yeah, filtering, do exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, if your wine's going to change in the bottle, I mean, yeah. my I've always had this quite strict view on funky versus faulty. Yes. I love funky wines if that's what the winemaker intended. Yes. If the winemaker knew that's what they were putting in the bottle and it gets to you wherever you're living and it tastes the same way, yes. then that's a funky wine and that's fine. Mm. But a faulty wine is when a winemaker puts one wine in the bottle, it ships, and the producer is, or the consumer is drinking something completely different. So intent is the... Is the yeah. is so the intent is, is the, the difference. Is the, is the fulcrum point. So, the, so the idea was to not have faulty uh, Swartland wines, that mm. as long as the consumer was drinking what the winemaker intended, mm. then that's fine. But if there's consumers out there who want that style of wine, um, that, how do you sort of measure that then? Like if they're happy that, you know, we're, we want to drink a, a beverage that is alive in the bottle, mm. you know, we want it to be, yeah. you know. No, but that's, if yeah. that, if that's, but that's your intent, that's, that's the yeah, intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so but often, you know, you, you can go to a wine, winery and taste the, the most amazing wine in bottle at the producer because that bottle's never shipped, mm. but they have no idea what it's what it actually tastes like in the market uh, mm. wherever it arrives, and and it's different every time. And maybe that's cool for some people, but I I, I feel sometimes people get they feel cheated by that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, and, and it's a philosophical you know approach to to mm. the winemaking process. But I think w what happened with SIP is is for a while it became strongly associated with natural winemaking. Yes. Whereas the, the why, do you think that, why do you think that was such a, um, I mean, how did that um, come about? Because well, well, because our rules were, were so no, dogmatic. I understand and, that, and but the, I mean, you, you obviously made the rules. Yeah. So where did those sort of, I mean, how did that, how did that, those sort of, um, that set of ideas or ideals yeah. um, come to manifest itself in those, in, in that little small group of people at that time, do you think? Was it? Just a uh, serendipity that you all came together over the course of years. I think, the, I think the, the, region, the region and, and the people there attracted like-minded okay. uh, producers. Yeah. A, a lot, some of the people who moved there were not maybe technically trained winemakers, so they didn't really realize the risks involved uh, okay. in, in those winemaking approaches. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, so it's and I think that's why we we, we relaxed the, the rules a little bit. We you know we, we were like. You know, do filter the wine if you need to, or add a little bit more sulfur if you need mm -hmm. to. Um, and it's always if you need to. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's not a blanket approach. You always filter your wine. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I th so the rules were created by by the five of us original Swartland Revolution producers, mm. and we, when we created those rules, we say anyone who else also, who also wants to follow this can come. So that I mean that that is what it was kind of this magnet towards people that were also mm. interested in that. Mm -hmm. But I think also the. You know, the perception of it being like only a natural wine region was just be based on the fact that a lot of other regions were just commercially making wines. Yeah, right. So it was more about the but differentiation. It about was. the differentiation, about the fact that it was just different. Mm -hmm. So people did tend to put wines in one category or the other. Yeah, and um, there wasn't. It's on a spectrum. It's just sort of like a, a switch. It's either that or that. Yeah. There's no like, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I think the this the, the, the thinking at the time. Yeah, yeah and, at and the I, time. I think yeah. we've learned that the reasoned approach is, is 
or what we prefer. Is yeah. Try and push it as much as you can, but if you, if you feel you need to intervene, then do. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that's probably one of the, when I talk to people about South African wine and in like in the macro sense, mm. I always say follow the producer, not the region. Yeah. Because it's yeah. the producer who makes that call yeah. and that makes that yeah, exactly. um, yeah. uh, decision. And, yeah, then, and then that sets their, yeah, their style yeah. a lot exactly. of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Style, yeah. yeah. So we, we digressed a bit there from revolution to independence. So the independence now changed. You said it was, um, it was a sort of, at the start, it was sort of like a, a very dogmatic say, this is what you yeah. should do. And if yeah. you want to do that, you can come join us. And what has it turned into now? So now it's, it's, uh, it's still heavily focused on producers. So mm. we, we get together regularly to, to talk, to taste each other's young wines. Yeah. I mean, the sip, so the P in sip stands for producers. producers yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we get together regularly to, to taste each other's wines um, and share vin vintage um, experiences, uh, things that are happening in the vineyards and the winery. Um, and I think that's really amazing because because we mm. can taste you know five producers. How often do you young. do that? We have four technical tastings a year. Okay. So, yeah, where where we taste each other's wines, and it'll normally be a theme. So either like the current vintage that that's just happened. So we're tasting wines that haven't even gone through Mallow yet. And, okay. Uh, or we'll do a, a theme like Shannon or so everyone brings a Shannon from different places mm -hmm. and we can see you know how they've fermented the wine and how it's how it's impacted the, the flavor um, so that, that that's really good and then and then we do have a festival we do every year so the when the Swatland revolution ended it kind of left a, a void in terms of marketing events in in the region mm -hmm. and I think that's where SIP took that over and uh, and now has been running a festival every November, and mm. maybe that's where the confusion comes in. Yeah, uh, yeah so, so it, well, one SIP, of the reasons, yeah. SIP is a producer thing, but we do have a marketing event every year, yeah. Mm. So 2011 was the second year, 400 tickets. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, yeah? So we launched, that. this is where that digression yes. came yeah, yeah, from. Yeah. Sip, uh, SIP so between the first two festivals mm. um, is when we, I mean, sorry, between the first two Swartland Revolution festivals, um, we, sat down and came up with this list of rules and we launched it we launched the concept of swartland independent at the second swartland revolution yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when we held our first sip tasting yeah. as well mm. so that was wines that sort of uh met those yeah, guidelines yeah so then so then we were like if, if you want to pour your wine obviously it has to come from swartland but it needs to be naturally fermented and it needs to have a maximum of 25 percent new oak so that was yeah, yeah that, that became the street festival in the, on the Saturday afternoon. Okay, and, cool. and one of the rules that changed in that time, which for us is a very important rule that we are still dogmatic about, is the wine has to be made in the Swartland. Okay. So in the first year, we were allowing wines that were made in Stellenbosch, but from Swartland fruit. Mm -hmm. And then starting from the second year, what made you a, a SIP member was that mm -hmm. you were rooted Based, in yeah. the Swartland as well yeah. for that identity. Yeah, but that's, again, I mean, those boundaries are... Um, aren't geographic, are they? I mean, uh, that, for, for example, I think of um, um, Stompy, mm. Jan Mayer, is like fermenting in Hermon, yeah. which is technically outside of the Swatland. Yeah, but, but, but he's unfortunately not a member because Yeah, he's no, no, that's what I'm yeah, saying, but he's yeah. 15 minutes from Riebeck, yeah, yeah. whereas Craig, to... Craig and Cullen now are up in uh, yeah. Indica, or another hour away, but they are in. It's yeah. very, yeah. But yeah oh, I, under, you, I understand you where have you, have you have to draw, draw a line, the line has to be yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get that, yeah. I mean, we all try to like find a place for Stompy. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's about helping to create that regional identity, which we were mm. completely missing yeah. 
a few years earlier. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, you mentioned Donovan. Now he's based in. He makes most of his wine mm. in uh, in Stellenbosch, yeah. but he yeah. always tries yeah, to make a wine in the Swatland yeah. for so, so he can yeah. stay part of that. Yeah, uh, yeah and he's group. actively looking to find a proper home in the Swatland. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Well, and and uh, I think Ryan and, Ryan uh, and Sam are always well. yeah, been yeah. looking for a couple of years yeah. now, and yeah. Yeah, but it, it's, I mean, it's the same for us, you know, we yeah. we were renting a facility in Ribiek and then mm. we kind of outgrew it, so we had to ferment some wine out to Swatland, but so we had to go to a real effort to, and cost to go and buy a property in the Swatland to, yeah, so right. that we could stay in, you know. Okay. So and then, then you changed the rules once you had the property, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but, once you, but once you, you know, looking at it externally now, it seems like, such a simple thing like why not let everyone in that's that's even mm. thinking about it but when we created those rules it was so important to have people rooted in the Swartland because yeah. it was very interesting to see how all of a sudden that the Swartland was becoming trendy how all of a sudden people started putting W.O. Swartland labels on their wines that were being made elsewhere which would have been previously western cape or coastal region exactly. because they didn't want Swartland on there exactly yeah. so so for us it, um yeah, it's always easy to look at something externally in modern times and be like, oh, well, that's a stupid rule. But it was actually a very, very important rule to implement because yeah. it's what's helped to create. Yeah, brought lots of people to the Swatland. Yeah. yeah. To come and well, no, I think that's there, part yeah. of the uh, the idea of the camaraderie yeah. and the and the, the co-learning. That's mm -hmm. not going to happen if someone's yeah, far, um, like far, far away. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So 2011 to 2012. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, basically then we, the, the format kind of stayed quite similar. I think mm -hmm. we grew it to 500, yeah. we thought, again, economies of scale, we, we, we wouldn't have Just to- Just people smaller glasses. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and then it stayed the same. So every year we had one like high-end producer. Mm -hmm. So the third year was um, from Chateau Neuf. Um, Pagau, yeah, uh, Pagau, Yeah, that was the first one I went to. Okay. Yeah, after yeah. arriving. Um, yeah. And then the next morning we had, again, I think that that year was, we had two international people. So a German master sommelier, Hendrik Thoma came. Yeah. And then Neil Beckett of the World of Fine Wine. They yeah. did a seminar on. No, Pagao was 13, I reckon. Okay. Yeah, because that was the first oh, no, one. Oh, yeah, it was so Alan Graillot and yeah, okay, Maxime Graillot. I didn't go to that one, yeah, that was, yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so then it became one, you know, one international high end producer seminar put by, based by journalists or, or wine experts mm -hmm. on, in terms of what they thought the Swatland could do well. Yeah, and what did and you learn out of that? I mean, so going, sorry to keep going backwards, but there's so much there that, you know. Yeah. So for example, Jamie, can, do you remember what, I mean? I think his, his thing was a, a lot was about the story wine making. The story going around that he didn't arrive at his seminar quite yeah, at 100%. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we had to wake him up. We had to wake him up. But he was, he, was yeah, he, was, he partied he was, hard on the Friday night. Yeah. He was in a festive mood. Yeah, right. <laughs> But his seminar was amazing. I promise. It was, he yeah. was, yeah, he's an incredible uh, presenter. Mm. So he was so focused and lucid. I don't know if he had like an adrenaline jolt or what, but yeah. he was incredible. On had stage. a, had a um, running start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was really warm. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. But yeah, at, at, from I mean, I need to go back and look at the exact wines. But it was, mm. I think, a lot with his seminar specifically was um, in terms of wine making. Yes. So not not specifically about varieties, but okay. different techniques and yeah, but but more natural winemaking. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, and then yeah, Hendrik Thoma and Neil Beckett. So they then became like non. So I think Neil Beckett poured a, a Riesling, and uh, so the, they started wines in some of the international seminars. Became not just Mediterranean focused. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The okay. idea behind the Riesling, it was um, Wittmann, right? It was, yeah. uh, and the idea was. Um, 
you know, the new generation of winemakers in old world wine areas yes. that were also starting to get together and break rules and um, reimagine the possibilities, reimagine the yeah, possibilities okay. cool. and, and taking things like um, climate change into account, mm -hmm. you know, so, so I think in, you know, especially in places like Germany where, where traditionally they were making certain styles of wine because of what the climate gave, um, the rules need to, the younger generation feel that some of the rules need to be bent because it's not the same um, environment they're working in that their parents, the grandparents, or several generations yeah, back were. Those, so those in terms no of varieties or dryness or whatnot. Mm. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And so, so 13 was um, Pegao, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then 14. So, and with the with the um, the local seminar in this time, were you mm -hmm. like four years in, sort of struggling to come up with a new concept, or were you happy just to sort um, of continue? No, uh, so, so were, you all, were you always looking for something different, or were you just wanting to? I think I think by by the fourth uh, festival, it the things have started to change in the Swatland. Mm. So, so more people a lot in. more producers were there, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's kind of when we started thinking we need to it shouldn't just be about the four wineries who were organizing the festival because mm. that's how it started out you know we, yeah. it was just Yeben, Ardi, Porcelainberg and, and ourselves yes um, but by by 2013 there was a very different story happening in the Swatland mm -hmm. and uh, so we we started thinking well we need to kind of try and incorporate those guys into the festival and uh, and that became nice because then yeah. we could have seminars on the young guns in yeah. in so there, I mean so Craig had started Testa Longa by that time, yeah. Jürgen had started yeah. Interlego, um, yeah. who else was Do Donovan, Donovan had uh, Raul, David and Nadia. David and Nadia. Yeah, yeah, it, was, so yeah it was just David then. Nadia yeah, didn't Nadia, Nadia didn't crack a uh, yeah, not yeah. for the front label for a while yeah, yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think you, you you did the first seminar with, with Craig and That was in the fourteen I think. Fourteen, yeah. okay, yeah. With Craig yeah. and David, yeah. yeah or exactly. David I should say. Yeah. 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 I'm David, he's David, yeah. Okay. I call him David. Probably doesn't like that, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it was amazing how just in those, you know, four or five short years, how quickly it had evolved and the attention mm. that was coming on the Swatland at that point, getting yeah. international write-ups. I think after the second year, we had a write-up in Time magazine, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. so it wasn't just, um, you know, local blogs. It was newsworthy. Um, it was uh, newsworthy. On and international scale, yeah. And, and this was never meant to be a marketing opportunity, yet mm. it became one just um, sort yeah. of naturally. You know, it was just well, it was kind of be a, a domestic marketing opportunity to try and get the word of Swatland out there, wasn't it? Yeah, that was about yeah. education. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then it, and then I mean, I think by the third year there was a huge international influx of people coming. So, yeah. so journalists, but also importers were coming. Mm. They sort of planned their trip around, wasn't they? Yeah, yeah. No, Norway from uh, you UK, know, the, the, the wine yeah. buyers from the, the monopoly in Norway came uh, two years in a row. Mm. So, I mean, for them to come all the way out. Mm. To, to a festival in the Swadon was incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's unthinkable. Even yeah. five years, like in two thousand and nine, there was no way known. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so it had a. It so it turned into more of an educational thing. Obviously, after it got big, mm. it, that, is that when you sort of like well, no, focus so, more so on education? It, it was or? Sort of. Um, the whole intent from the beginning was was education, and mm. then, but we didn't. I don't think that we had realized that that in itself was a marketing opportunity. Yeah, right. You know, and so be, the fact that it wasn't forced marketing, the fact that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was just very natural for us to want to share what we were doing, why we were doing it. And then it just, I think the way it came about naturally and organically is what drew people then more people to it. Mm. And and then therefore the, the, the secondary effect of it was that it was amazing marketing. Yeah. 
No, there's nothing worse than going somewhere and you feel like you're being mm. marketed to. Yeah. Like you yeah. just feel, and, and if you've paid for the privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know what? No, fuck that. But I, I think that's actually one of the, the secrets is we, you know, it was arranged by four wineries, but we did have an event organizing company with us. Yes. Uh, so Anne and Dariel from DNA Events. And, yeah, okay. And they, they were always there behind the scenes, making sure everything was running. Making all the cogs yeah. work. And, and yeah. so, so we were kind of involved in the decisions and, and arranging a lot of stuff for sure. But at the same time, we could have fun. Uh, yes. You know, yeah, right. we, we could let our hair down and, and have yeah. a party with everybody who's there. Okay. So it wasn't like us stressed about things and running around trying to organize things. Uh, and I think that's what people loved as well. It was mm. it was an intimate, fun event uh, mm. where you felt like you you could you could talk to everyone. Well, I think yeah, it goes can... to what, what Andrew was saying before. It was like a, it was like a community, yeah. like a little yeah. commune yeah. almost. Yeah, exactly. like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you'd have people book their accommodation because it was always the first weekend of November. Yeah. So people would just book their accommodation the next year. Yeah. Or so a year on the way, months. on the on living on the Sunday morning yeah. under yeah. under the cover of a massive yeah. hangover, we'll just yeah. book for next year because yeah, we know exactly. what weekend it's going to be. Yeah. 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 But then also, people aren't just drinking and listening to Olivier Klopp. They get to have a beer with him as well. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he's uh, not hidden. Uh, he's flying away in a helicopter after it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Um, and then, um, obviously, um, you had Serge um, yep. from Musa yeah. there as well. Have, I, have I missed one there? No, or that's not? it. So, yeah, yeah, so Serge Oshar was the second last year. Mm. Uh, and then the last year, it was Pax Mail from, right. from, yeah. from Sonoma. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so he was basically the last international uh, producer that, that came out. Yeah. Okay. And, and then when was this decision to cease fire um, on that? Well, we, I think in the, the after the fifth one, so in 2014, we, when we had the kind of debriefing... This is costing us too much fucking money. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of, we, we already then were, were talking about should we do another one mm. or not. Um, and I think the, the thing that we, we always wanted it to feel natural and fresh. Um, and so... But by 2014, it was not exactly like kind of Groundhog Day, but you know, it we was we it, it was difficult to think up fresh stuff every time. You know, yeah, it felt get a bit a, repetitive. Get a different chef mm. who was going to be the producer. Should we change the venues just to keep it fresh? I see. Um, but because there was such a positive energy, yeah, we we, we kept it going. Mm. And then in after 2015, the the last one, it, we didn't plan it to be our last one. Mm. We we were we were still thinking we'd do maybe one or two more. Yeah. But the last Swatland Revolution was it kind of it was just brought this amazing full circle to everything. You know, mm. we we didn't plan that that um, you know we'd have John Platter there because he he was the the, the local sem seminar. Yeah. So maybe just just for people who don't know who John Platter is. Yeah, so he, John Platter has been in the industry for decades. He, he was a, a journalist and, a, and a, a writer and loved wine. And he, uh, in the 1970s, started a, a wine guide, basically... A South African a wine, South African wine, wine guide, guide yeah. yeah, where he would visit all the wine farms in South Africa on his own mm. and taste all their wines and write them up. And uh, it be it's become kind of the, the Bible, the guide to South African wine. Mm. Um, after a few years, I think maybe about 10 years, he ended up selling it. The, yeah, um, the Gambia so Rossi of, uh, of... Yeah, of South yeah, African yeah. wine, yeah. Uh, but now, now it's, it's owned by um, well, a company and there's a kind of a, a publisher and they have a tasting panel of, of many, many people because the industry's grown so much, not one person can, can do all of that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've, got a, I've got a couple of those early 80s books. They're very thin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah, many. It's uh, tiny, yeah. yeah. Um, 
so yeah, it, it, it became sort of the, the reference for South African wine. Okay. And so he's been closely associated with South African wine for, for a hell of a long time. About 40 and, years, yeah. Yeah. And, and so we, we thought it'd be great to bring him and for him to do, maybe just talk a bit about the history of South African wine, but then to talk about wines that he, that he was excited about currently. Mm. Um, and th that was amazing because so it was not about Swatland wines anymore. We had producers from outside the Swatland, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and the it was amazing because his whole talk kind of brought the Swatland revolution almost to a close. You mm. know, he, well, it was yeah, full circle. Yeah, we, we, mm. we didn't ask him to do it, but everything that he talked about was about the great influence that the festival had had on the industry the last five years inside mm -hmm. the Swatland, but also outside the Swatland. And it was just an amazing lecture that he gave. Um, so he showed wines from the Cravens and the Seccombs and, yeah. and the ripple effect that the so, Swartland Revolution yeah. had created. Mm. And, and then when we had the debriefing the next week, we were like, actually, it, that, it feels that, like it's done. Yeah, you know, right. it, was, it was really just that. It was yeah, just, it, it was just like, feels it just like feels it's done. Right, yeah, you know? okay. and, and, and also, I think what had happened was the, there had been a lot of, like I said just now, a lot of people had moved to the Swartland. Mm. And it wasn't just about the four producers anymore. Yes. Uh, you know, so, so for okay. us to kind of try and hog the limelight or, or to, to you know, not, not recognize that things had changed mm. felt wrong as well. Yeah. So we... Politically, it was time to yeah, shut up shop as well. Yeah. 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 But also, yeah. I always think about, you know, um, Seinfeld went off the air when it was the number one show on television. Mm. You know, they, they wanted to stop... When when it was top. when it was on top, yeah. Yeah. and um, you know that way people never see a you know a, a lag phase or 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 get bored. So yeah. although the Swartland Revolution, we finished it in that year. It was we we closed it as the Swartland Revolution, leaving mm. room for it to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're you're obviously Elaine. You're obviously Jerry. <laughs> Who's Kramer? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually. Oh, a good How do you reckon? Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. But um, okay, yeah. cool. And so um, the the transgression, or transgression, the transformation from um, the revolution into what became the Heritage Festival. Yes. So you're saying that the SIP, the SIP, the independent producers, took that over. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, SIP is still focused on, on, on as a producer organization, mm -hmm. but we do, we, we did because there's still a festival every no first exactly. weekend in November yeah. in, in yeah. Swaziland. Yeah. But it's and uh, and that and the idea was that we there was this now gap that there was there was no Swaziland festival happening anymore, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was an ideal opportunity for for all of the producers that were there to organize something. So, mm. and we didn't want to still call it the SWAT on Evolution because it, was, it wasn't the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, and, and we wanted to have it outside Rebeck. So people didn't think it was basically just the same festival with a different name. Because mm. uh, I mean, yeah. the actual um, area of W.O. Swatland is fucking massive, no, isn't it? No, it's huge. Like, it's yeah. huge. People think it's just Malmesbury and, yeah. and no, Rebeck. It's, it's very, um, very, very large. You know, yeah. that's, so yeah, you can literally plant vines on the beach on the west coast, and you can make Swatland wine of origin. Yeah. So yeah, so Paternoster falls, yeah, almost in the middle, but on the west of, of the Swatland. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've got you know Ian de Kale, Piketberg, up the north, up in the north yeah. as well, yeah. and that's you know another yeah. hour past. Yeah. And I think driving that's quickly a, too. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Piketberg I think is a, is a really interesting region. Uh, mm. I think it's going to become over the next 20 years for the Swatland, a really important area for, mm. for production. It's, it's high altitude, sandy soils, 
So I think f in terms of looking for places with acidity, yes. it's a really exciting spot. And do you think because of its um, uh, isolation, i.e. it's hard to get to, that yeah. it'll only attract fairly like intense driven individuals to make wine there or yeah because it's so. not just easy yeah. to ring up yeah. somebody and say oh i just need two tons of no, for sure. grapes yeah no, it's, yeah. it's, no, it'll it's a lot more it's going to attract dedicated yeah. Uh, yeah yeah for sure yeah well, well, i mean swartland producers in general tend to have a higher than average odometer rate in their cars mm. i mean we do yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it does yeah you're right it does drive like that kind of mindset of person to to you know, sort of pioneering almost. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. And, and like I want what someone else has never even seen before. Mm. I want to be the first to do that. I, and I think it's, the, it's just the mindset that has actually made the people in our region known for what they do, is, mm. is having that like um, no limits mindset. Like why not try it? Yeah, yeah. Just going back to your, one of your first points, mm. obviously we, we could be here for hours yeah. and I'll, I'll promise we'll wrap it up shortly because I'm getting hungry, I need yeah. some lunch. <laughs> and thirsty. Yeah, and thirsty, because yeah. we need some wine. Um, or beer, beer yeah. would be nice that would be good, yeah. yeah. Um, so the purpose initially was, or one of the purposes initially was to sort of show the Swatland off to the local mm. um, sort of South Africans. Yeah. Why do you think it was more difficult to, to sell Swatland wine in South Africa, Africa rather than out of South Africa. Was it that sort of predetermined Swatland yeah, as a as a the, poorer the, sort of um, yeah, cousin the, to the, the other regions? The previous, or was it like the previous generation or well, the older generation of wine buyers grew up in a time where brands from Stellenbosch were so strong. Uh, yeah. You know, things like Mierlust, Rustenburg, um, Alto, those brands are so strong in the market. And and Swatland, although there's there's a lot of vineyards, there were only a handful of wineries and they were mostly big, large co cooperative wineries that yeah. were... Who weren't chasing necessarily quality, they were chasing quantity. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. and, and their wines were, you know, at the lowest price points in, in, this, mm -hmm. in supermarkets. Yes. So no one thought that the region was capable of making great wine yeah. uh, until Spice Roots started, basically. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it was just people weren't expecting that they would need to pay a lot of money for any Swatland wines. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you sort of had to train the uh, yeah, that, uh, the, the customer base. Yeah. That, and, know, and these the, are, these and are special can, wines, they're made in a... From amazing you know, old vineyards, yes. the terroir is incredible. Uh, obviously, being focused, if we try to make a great Cabernet on the Swatland, you're gonna struggle. Mm. But uh, if you're working with the right grapes, and, and that was what it was, was, was educating the consumers about it. And, and you could go to a wine shop or a restaurant in Johannesburg and try and do it, mm but it's much easier if they've come down to the place and seen it. Uh, yeah. So it was that inheritance of the name Swatland, which was the problem in South Africa, which yeah, whereas yeah. internationally they, that was yeah, a clean was no, Yeah, They just assessed the yeah. wine in the glass. And it's still like that. You know, yeah. most of the time when you sell South African wine in a new market, like, like I've just come back from China. They, mm. if you mention Stellenbosch, they have no idea what Stellenbosch is. Yeah. They also have no idea what Swatland is. Yeah but they know what South Africa is. So, mm. so you're selling them South African wine, whereas in South Africa, people tended to have a really strong impression about what, what region was capable of making quality wine, and that was Stellenbosch. Yeah. So, so we had to change that perception. Yeah, I think, so for me, like, it wasn't even, okay, Swartland wines weren't known for making amazing wines, even though the vineyards were amazing, but it was the average consumer 
didn't even know what the Swartland was. Mm. So the, it wasn't that it said Swartland, it was that it didn't say Stellenbosch. I see. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think that was... It was uh, just another area that's, you know, who, yeah. we don't know. Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah. So, okay. so, I mean, South Africans are so beautifully brand um, loyal, mm. um, but you have to become one of their brands that they're loyal to. That doesn't happen by that, default. And that yeah. was the hard that was the hard transition to make. Because okay. um, we still, I mean, when we go to Durban or Johannesburg, there's still plenty of people that have never heard of us. Yeah. Which is awesome because it means that there's you, still, there's still so, so much scope in the market. Yeah. But the... Um, I think that's changing though. Um, yeah. I mean, oh, for sure. For, from my point of view, um, selling wine, uh, South African wine in Australia, most people ask about the Swatland now, mm. not Stellenbosch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think pretty much well, international directly from what you guys yeah. helped do. Earlier. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes. I mean, not not trying to be arrogant about mm. it, but for sure, like uh, we, I mean, Andrew's just come back from the USA, and their people want Swatland wines. It's, yes, it's the, their first port of call for buying a South African yeah. wine. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah Which is just absolutely incredible. Mm. You know, so we are on people's lips, yeah. and um, as a region, and um, and I think. Just that being said, one of the things that has been really great about us as a region is the fact that we do promote each other as a region as well. Yeah. We're very happy to pour each other's wines. Um, in fact, even in Audi are doing a seminar uh, this month in the U.S. Um, pouring our wines alongside yeah. their wines. You know, and we don't have the same importer. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you know we really do believe a rising tide lifts all boats has been one of the strongest mindsets of our region. It helps that you make good wine as well, though, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of we've sort of glossed, glossed over that part. Like that, yeah. that, that part's a bit important. Yeah. That, you know, the stuff in the in the bottle is actually pretty yeah. drinkable. Yeah, and I think the the styles of wines, although there there are differences for sure between the different producers, mm. because I like the style of wine I make. I like the style of wine that Ardi makes and Ibn makes and Kali makes. Yeah, yeah. So it's easy for me to pour their wines and and talk about them. I, I don't have to lie to people when I say yeah, you drink that wine, of, you'll love it yeah, because. Yeah. I love it, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. You're actually drinking yeah. it yourself. Yeah. And, and this goes back to why we created these rules. We're like, what do we all have in common? Yes. Um, and and why can we proudly show each other's wine? So mm. it goes back to the, the mindset of why we started the set of rules in the first place. Yeah, well, why are we a group? What, what binds yeah. us together? Yeah, yeah. 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 and yeah. what works here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. Took a few beers to figure it out. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Takes a few beers to figure anything out. Though, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it doesn't, just squeeze them in somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it always helps. Yeah. It always helps. Cool, um, and we'll wrap it up shortly. But um, what is, what's? I mean, obviously you've now got a property in the Swatland, which you didn't obviously start with. Yeah. That's going to be a big process for you guys. Mm. I'm assuming if I ask you what the future holds for you, it's going to be centered around that property. Yeah. So yeah. just tell I mean, us about I think, that. I think in in the Swatland, being a warm, dry climate, um, being in an in a state is maybe a little bit limiting. You, you do need to be able to blend different vineyards together different soil types together to, to really make great wine. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so we've, we do so, have So a, you think single vineyard wine is... Uh, oh, they're fascinating, but they're very difficult to make year on year on year. As a commercial venture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so we do make single vineyard wines, but we don't mm -hmm. bottle them every vintage. They need yep. to be really great. So in some warmer years, some of the sites struggle more and cooler years, other sites don't maybe perform. But as a blend, they all work extremely well together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. We, but does but that go with varieties as well? I mean, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Warm regions around the world tend to blend varieties together, and mm. I think that's, you know, where the concept of Swartland white blends, Chenin-based white blends, have become so popular for their complexity, for their ability to go with a vast 
range of food. Mm. Um, but that originated because of the concept of blending varieties in, in warm regions so that you can get a little bit of everything you're looking for to make a complete wine. Mm. Yeah, but, but having, I mean, I think over the last 10 years, when we first moved to the Swatland, it was super easy. We could go to any farm, chat to the, the owners about the vineyards that they had, look at them, and we almost had our pick. We, we could really say, okay, I would like yeah. to take those rows and that block. Because you were prepared to make more than the co-op? Or? Yeah, 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 but also because there were very few wine wineries at that stage you know, sourcing food from the Swatland. Yeah, right. so, so they, did, they didn't have any other yeah, any Either other cooperative or us. They've had yeah. one customer for their goods yeah. for 100 years, yeah. and then... Yeah. But now, now what's up. happened is it's far more competitive. There's, yes. there's a lot of people buying fruit in the Swatland. Mm -hmm. and, um, so, so is fruit security in that way, if you don't own land, uh, yes, going to be an yeah, issue, that, more of an issue yes, going for forward? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, I think once, when you're above a certain size, you know, if you're making 2,000 cases, it's okay. You, if, you, if you lose a little vineyard here, you can go and buy another one or two tons somewhere else. Mm. But when you get to a certain size, you know, if... if because what's happening is, is people are moving in and buying whole farms. Yes. And, uh, and so all of a sudden that's off the market yeah, for if exactly, you're buying yeah. grapes. And so, if yeah. you were buying a significant amount of your fruit there, you, it's difficult to replace that. Uh, mm. You can find another Syrah vineyard, but it's, the style of your wine is going to change very quickly. Yeah. So, so what's, what we've, what's become imperative to us is we do own some of our vineyards. Mm -hmm. um, so that it just gives us a stable base to, to work from. Yeah. And we can farm to the utmost quality. Uh, and it just gives us a nice stable base to work from and then yeah. still work with fruit that's not on on our estate uh, yeah yeah for for blending for complexity and that's obviously is that a, a, a important part of what you bring to the market in terms of having that diversity of options yeah yeah, yeah for sure i think yeah. any swatland producer should should think that way you know mm. it's it's you can make a really interesting wine a lot of vintages from one site but you do need if, if you want to be consistent and make great wine year on year on year, you need to be able to blend. I think it's cool, critical. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, cool. so, so I think the, the model of having some of your own vineyards, but still leasing other fruit and, and bringing it in is the most sensible. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I think we'll wrap it up. But cool. is there anything else you guys want to talk about, or we've missed, or that you think is important in the whole journey? Or no, I'm cool. Anyway. No, I'm, I'm... Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you thank very you. much, guys. Yeah. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, good luck. We, I mean, we didn't even touch on the other project that you guys are in, involved in. In front shot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, next we'll, time. Well, next time, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Volume two. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Cool. cool. Thanks, guys. No, thanks thank you. It was a good chat. Cool. Thanks. And thanks for all you're doing for no, no, the good. South no, African no, no, industry. No. Easy. No, no, cool. fine. I get paid to do it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cool. There we go. Chris, can you say your name, please? Chris Mullineux. Andrea, can you please say your name? Andrea Malanu. Perfect.